Thank you, Lord. God bless you, church. Thank you for the opportunity of being able to spend some time with you guys. Um, I, um, you know, I don't know how long everyone who's here, you know, uh, the length of time they've been serving the Lord or the type of experiences they've had with God. Um, I find that to be super, super important and crucial nowadays. Um, can you guys hear me okay without the mic? Is that all right? Yeah? Okay. Cool. Um, I find that to be crucial nowadays um, because for the first time, I, I sense that we're going to be challenged. Um, there's some things that may appear to be very normal uh, because we, it's real easy to be desensitized or just become accustomed to something and then just simply accept it at all, oh, that's okay. Um, but um, there's a pastor out of New York, his name is Carter Conlon, and uh, he's the, the one that took over after David Wilkerson. I don't know if anybody's familiar with David Wilkerson. Um, there was a gentleman, um, he, he was the one that the Lord used to call out a, a big gangster out of New York back in the 70s. Um, Nicky Cruz was his name. And uh, the Lord called him out and, 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 and he used him mightily anyways. The point is you have a huge church established there. And Carter Conlon was uh, the, the current pastor shared. And he said, you know, we, we should really not be surprised if we really very closely here, very soon we get to the point that when you're speaking the word of God is considered hate speech. Okay? That, that, that to me is very, very important because um, you got to understand why that really is not just in a sense um, just an assertion or just information that he's putting out there. Uh, when you understand that the word of God speaks about that when God created man, he created him male and female. Um, when, when you understand that God is very clear relevant to that, and then even our science begin to follow it, um, when it, it began to analyze how many chromosomes there was in a male or a female, XX, XY chromosome, to understand who's a male or who's a female, what's a boy, what's a girl. And then you have um, the most recent um, state um, in a particular county where they um, send a letter out to the parents up in um, uh, Vermont. Send a letter to the parents to let them know that they will no longer be referring to the boys and the girls as boys and girls, but rather um, uh, sperm producers or egg producers. Um, I don't know if you understand the implications of this, but we really are not only violating what we took pride in, supposedly with education and understanding that biology is something that we trusted, but you're also, for maybe one of the few areas, biology and the Bible actually are in agreement. Amen. And it agrees. Amen. But if for whatever the reason you choose to go in a different direction, you know, you could be targeted as someone who's teaching something that's hate speech. You're, uh, if you start to address, you know, uh, someone not in the way that they feel that they're supposed to be addressed, then you may be considered a homophobe. Um, or simply um, just get to the point where you think that uh, you try to oppose a child in a school because of course as you know there are some schools 
and I don't know how many, I haven't looked up and done the research, um, that now will allow that child to identify as who they feel or think that they are without the parent's consent. And uh, there was a, a most recent, uh, uh, I guess not a documentary, but there was a lady doing a presentation and, and she spoke about how um, in this particular school, uh, you already have, you know, and we're, again, we're talking about children here. We're not talking about adults, you know. We're talking children, eight, nine years old. You know, what, what can possibly a eight or nine-year-old know who has not even experienced puberty? If you understand the, 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 the implications of somebody going through puberty and the hormone uh, changes and things that occur that will cause you to feel one way or another, um, and all of a sudden you're in a situation where you're wanting to allow this child to try to, now, now we won't let, allow them to make a decision to buy cigarettes at the store or maybe to buy alcohol at a certain age. You know, you feel like you really need some real responsible people to do that, but you can certainly consider allowing them to decide whether they feel that they're a, a girl or a boy. You know, that, that, that's, that's, you know that, that is something that's really concerning. Yes. You know, my, my, part of my job here is not to arouse your emotions this morning because when we do that, you know, that, that again, you know, we have um, uh, hormones in our, in, our, in our brain that when certain things happen, it will cause your emotions to be aroused. You know, but then eventually settles back down and then you kind of go back to reality. I don't want us to speak about this in terms of emotions. I want you to consider the reality of this situation. You know, I mean, how unfair it is for a child to have to make this type of decision when they don't even know their left from their right, and then down the road have to um, deal with one um, person who decided to turn back um, her sex. Um, she was a female, decided to be a male, and then when she turned 18 years old, decided that she made a mistake, but it was too late. Because unfortunately, the surgeries that they have to do to turn things around, just, just they, we're not, we're not at that, at that position or, or that capability yet. Amen. So that is scary. Amen. You know, I mean, do you understand what I'm saying here as a church? Is that it is scary. You, you know, you're on the, you're on the wrong side of the fence. Mm. You know, and, 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 and to a certain degree, it is possible for us to come here on a Sunday and worship the Lord. Um, because we haven't had anyone oppose us or challenge us or tell us something to the effect of, well, you can no longer even want sort of, sort of something similar to what we went through when we went through COVID, where they said you've got to shut down and you can't have groups this big. You know? If we start to get to that point, then you may find that this group will dwindle down to a smaller group. Because that means that you have to be willing to accept the challenge of persecution. And I'm sure your pastor talks about this quite a bit. I can tell, you know, from speaking to him. You know, this is sort of just his heart. He's kind of brokenhearted over all the garbage and all the mess. And, and he gets up here um, almost like someone who's grieving. You, would, you say, Pastor, you know, come on now, isn't it? Good morning. Great Sunday. You know, but when you see this mess, it's hard for you to have this sense of excitement as if everything's okay. Amen. When it's not okay. And it's, it's going in a bad direction. Yes, yes, so, you know, my, my, I began by, you know, assessing or trying to figure out how long you've been serving the Lord and your experience. Because I want to share with you that 
If your experience with God is limited to being here on Sunday mornings or Wednesdays, or just going through those, that, that sort of routine or tradition, uh, that you may find yourself struggling with some things if things got hard on us. Amen. You may decide to jump ship or to abandon ship. And, you know, some of us maybe haven't thought about that. Maybe we think, oh, no, no, this is, you know, this is just the way it is. And, and you know, why would I even be worried or concerned about this? Um, well, I mean, we could choose to ignore it. We can choose to act like it's, like nothing's happening. Sort of just like, you know, could you imagine the fact that there was an uproar when our Supreme Court decided to overturn Roe v. Wade? Yes. And decide that, hey, you know what, this thing with abortion is a problem. It's unconstitutional. And listen, you know, for the young generation that, you know, you go to school and we become indoctrinated by information of someone maybe who's a liberal. And they try to twist the story and try to make it look as if no one understands things, rational things. Like there's a woman who's about to give birth and you have a struggle because there's a high possibility that she may die in that process. And all of a sudden they decide to abort this child because it's either her or him, or I mean her, the mother, or the child. You know, we, we have common sense. Don't act like we don't understand that concept. We understand that concept, but that's not the argument. The argument is if there, is, if there isn't a situation where there's a lack of health or someone's life in danger, are you willing to even at birth consider aborting and killing a child? This is something that we, for us, this would have been, you go back to the 70s and this was sort of unheard of. It was crazy for you to think this way. Amen. But now it's become normal. Yes. Now it's okay. Now we're so desensitized that it's really not much of an issue. If anything, you Christians are the problem. Because you're elevating the value of life to a standard that's above what we as a nation have decided that it is. You know, if we decided that it's just at the same value of an animal or a plant, then that's just the way it is. And you are the problem. So it's scary. It is scary for us to consider these things. And on the basis of, of that, I, um, I want us to consider a couple of things here. I wrote down some scriptures here. Um, I'm going to start with a, a scripture in the book of Luke. Uh, chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. And um, I have several scriptures here, but I have a feeling. I always get this funny feeling the Lord's never, I never get to finish. You know, because, you know, just, just mindful of the time. And, and, but, but we're going to make sure that somehow we allow the Spirit to speak what needs to speak. Amen. In the book of Luke, chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. Uh, here's what it says. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me, let, me, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, 
No one who puts, puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Amen. Father, I just want to thank you this morning, Lord God, for just um, giving us an opportunity, Lord God, to still serve you and still come to church on Sunday mornings, understanding, Lord God, the importance of who you are and how we have separated in, uh, this time, Lord God, to, to just, just worship and, and, and praise you, Lord God. On this Sunday morning, I realize, Lord God, that as we have still decided to engage in this level of activity, Lord God, Father, which was so important for us, Father, that slowly, Lord God, the opposition and situations are coming our way that we're going to have to make a decision and make some choices. Maybe choices that we haven't thought about, Father, because we haven't been put up against a situation of persecution. Father, Lord God, but I, I ask, Lord God, that as we continue to move down a, a particular path, Lord God, where our nation is abandoning biblical principles, Father, that we would examine ourselves, that we would look deep inside ourselves, Lord God, to consider why we believe what we believe. Why are we standing where we're standing? Why have we made this choice to follow you? Lord God, so that it is not just simply lip service or just tradition, or just going through the motions or routine or something that we were taught to do or simply just a part of our family custom. Father, I pray, Lord God, that we would analyze and assess this so that we can clearly consider, Lord God, what choice we will make, Lord God, if we were to be asked to deny you somehow. I pray that our eyes will be open this morning as we consider some of these, these options. Father, we thank you and I pray that you have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I, um, I started off with some of the, the, the script, this particular scripture. And I, I rarely put titles on messages. I don't think I've ever, because I'm not much of a message guy. I'm more of a guy that, you know, I just, I just ask the Lord, Lord, give me a word. What's the word that needs to be spoken? And I'm pretty reckless when it comes to that. I just, boom, just take off running. So I rarely put a title on things. I just, I don't know why. I get this. You know how, for instance, you go to school and you write an essay. And I was sharing with my wife how you, you're trained in school to write a, a, a three-point essay, you know. Um, you have an introduction. You have, you know, topic number one, topic A, B, C, D, and a conclusion. And we get trained so well in that that I find that somehow we, even the church, have shifted into that. It's like, boom, we put down together this, 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 this sermon under that criteria, those, that alignment, and it just, that, that's the end of the story. But, I, I, you know, my, my, my concern with that is that I get a, I, I, it, based on my subjective experience, I have had an experience with the Lord that he's impacted my life in such a way that I believe he has more to offer than just information. You know, to think for me that come to church, that I come to church so that someone can share information as if we're having a public speaker come over, to me that's a scary place to be in. Because really there needs to be some life in the God that we serve and how we live our lives with the Lord and there has to be some level of connection with him. To the point that, you know what, in this service, though we supposedly have some level of structure, if the Holy Spirit says, uh-uh, this is the way it's going to go. Then suddenly everything begins to shift. And, 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 and we as a, let's say a Pentecostal church, way back, and it doesn't matter, you don't have to be Pentecostal. You know, we were criticized back in the days because of our lack of discipline. 
when the Holy Spirit would come down on folks, someone would get up, begin to speak in tongues. They might even roll up and down the floors. And of course, and back then, they would consider us holy rollers. Um, which, you know, I, you know I, again, on the basis of understanding Scripture and, and understanding the Spirit is subject to the prophet, we do understand that you have the ability of, um, as the Lord is moving, of you making certain decisions, you know, and, 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 and to make sure that things are done in decency and in order. But now I, I, get, I get concerned when we want to put God in a box in such a way that we don't allow him to move. And therefore somebody comes in with a necessity and the Holy Spirit is not able to meet that necessity because we've confined him and enclosed them into a box. You know, people don't come to church just to hear a sermon or just to hear a message or just some information. People come to church because they're real life situations that are happening in their lives. First of all, they realize, hey, you know what? I need a savior in my life. I need that if I was to pass away today, or if I was to die, or if you were to come back, that I would have a guaranteed position in heaven. But even above that, for those of us who have lived a little, we know life is complicated. Amen. It's complicated. If you're married, it's even more complicated. Because that means you have to get together every morning and agree with your spouse. And you have to agree on the direction and your future and a number of different things and the children. And, and it becomes complicated sometimes to the point that we'll argue. We'll say, no, it's like this or it's like that, you know? And, and so you realize how difficult it could be. Or you just simply go to work and you interact with your boss or in school or, or with a friend. And you're confronted in such a way that life becomes difficult. You know, you're struggling with finances and a number of different things that tell me that sometimes things can be a little complicated. If you live a little, you realize that you, you will always reach a place. You will always arrive somewhere where you have no choice but to look to a higher power to help you. Okay, when I use the higher power, don't get, don't, don't, I don't use that loosely. Because I'm referring to Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm being clear on that. But nevertheless, I can refer to him as a higher power because he is a higher power. He's higher than I am, that's for sure. Higher than I. But I realize Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Very clear. Alright? So, you know, the complexity of life can cause people to have necessities. And when you come here to church, I'm observing yourself. I'm observing me. And I'm observing a need that you may have in your heart. I'm observing whether or not there's a struggle there. And if there's a struggle somehow with whatever the situation, listen, you know, struggles come from all different angles, emotional, psychological, abuse, abandonment, a number of different things that sometimes happen in our homes. Sometimes we're hurt because mom and dad did not understand, or maybe they weren't there, or they just didn't fulfill their role responsibly. Or maybe they didn't align themselves as a role model so that I can follow after so I know how to make decisions and not be making decisions sort of randomly because I don't know which way to go because I was never taught the principles that would help me make decisions. I was never taught simple things like, listen, you, 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 when, when you get your paycheck, you can't overspend the amount that you get. Simple mathematics. You can't spend, if you got 400 bucks, you can't spend 500 and think you're going to have your money at the end of the, at the, end of the month to pay the rent, and all of a sudden you're going to find yourself struggling. You know, these are simple things. But sometimes you need a mentor. Sometimes you need someone to guide you down that direction. Because though it looks simple, but it can be complicated for someone who hasn't been taught. 
And there's one green, my daughter was one of them. She's so funny. Desiree has a learning disability. She's, uh, you met her the other day. 30 years old, 32. Desiree graduated high school with a special diploma. She was such a hard worker because that's part of what I, we t I taught the kids that she even wanted to try to go to college. And, you know, the college in, in there, in the, just of trying to have a good heart for her. You know, she took like three classes and I think they gave her like a senior English class, but she just wasn't able to make any other classes. And it's just, you know, it's just a reality. That's just where she is. You know, really she should be on disability and so on and so on. But I remember Desiree, uh, finally, because part, part of my objective is to teach her to be self-sufficient. So she's living in Alaska. We're living in Alaska, and she finally did, uh, I said, well, Desiree, you know, you're 20-something years old, so, you know, you really can start, you know, you, you know, we can help you start moving on your own and do certain things. So she applied for Section 8. She got her own apartment. She was, she said, when I was time, she said, Pops, when I was time, I was nervous. She said, you know, you know I, I never think about leaving home. You know, I thought I was always going to be there. And, you know, when she found herself uh, in her own apartment, and now the state came in and they helped her out and got a special job with the state. She's working at the, the, the federal, the, the, the state building, and she's cleaning the building, and they give her a nice little paycheck. Oh, but that's right. <laughs> she was so excited about that paycheck. I'll never forget. At that first paycheck, she started blowing money. <laughs> she thought everything would just be fine. And then all of a sudden, uh, Times Magazine or some illustrated whatever magazine sends her a nice notice and says, hey, we're going to give you a free watch if you just subscribe. $1,200 worth of a subscription, and we're going to give you a free watch. That's what it says. So, I'm getting a free watch? Yes! <laughs> So do you understand how complicated things can be for someone when someone doesn't take the time to analyze and help and teach them to work through some of these things? You know, uh, Desiree, I said, hey, honey, I'm, I am going to help you to build your credit, but you can't have the credit card. I'm going to keep it in my briefcase because you're not ready for that. Desiree, okay, no problem, Pops. But, you know, years later, Mom decides, hey, let's get our credit card. Desiree thinks he doesn't have to pay the credit card back. So you can just get the credit card and blow the money and everything will be just fine. That's just not the way it works. So life can be a little complicated. So I wrote down this title, guys. Um, understanding the importance of allowing the Lord to do whatever he wants to do here. The title says, no looking back. Oh, looking back is not an option. That's where we are right now. Looking back is not an option. And... I want you to consider several scriptures here. It says here, um, uh, on the basis of a, a question, um, I want you to consider three different things, three different questions in relationship to the following scriptures. So I want you to think about three different questions. Here they are. Where are we subjected to the will of God and his calling in our lives? Everybody's here. Where are you relevant to God's calling over your life? Where are you? Number two, how much time do we have subjected to his return or our last breath? Where are you relevant to his calling? And the reason I'm asking that question is because he's, he's got a calling for every one of us. He's got a, a job description for every one of us. Some of us will attend church and never find out what that job description is. 
So we just sort of jump in whatever, hey, let me just jump on this outreach or let me just jump on this. Instead of maybe considering taking some time and saying, well, Lord, what would you call me for? Why am I here? What is my calling? What's my identity? Who am I? You know, questions that, that you know, people struggle with these questions. You don't know which way to go or what to do. What am I supposed to be doing? How much time do we have relevant or, or subjective to the return of Christ? Third question says, what are we doing subjective to the calling in relationship to his return? All right? So I'm going to look at a couple of scriptures here. If you don't mind, um, this is exactly where I'm going to need the help of the, the sound guys. Because I wrote down, relevant to the first question, which is, where are we subjected to the will of God and his calling? I want you to go to Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Here's what it says. Verses 4 and 5, this is the Lord speaking to Jeremiah. He says, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, before I formed you in the womb, I already knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So, I don't want to get this too complicated because we can, you can make an argument and say, well, that's only one scripture. But I can, you, you'll find, if you study the, the, the sort of patterns in scripture, you'll realize that there's different people that the Lord has called to be in different places. And he specifies that before Jeremiah was even born, before he was even born, God had already set him apart. And then he specified what he set him apart for. He says, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So th this sort of begins to narrow down some things relevant to what I consider someone's identity. Who are you in Christ? What has God called you to do? What is his calling for your life? Have you been able to narrow that down, identify that, to the point that you can surely, you don't even have to wait on the pastor. You just know, pastor, no, listen. Um, I'm going to go ahead and I, and I want to see if I can get involved in this because I just have a heart for this. This is just who I am. You know, there's some people that love serving. They just absolutely love it. They get a kick out of it. That's who they are. Part of their personality. So, I want you to really consider this scripture so that if you haven't taken some time to think about that, now may be a good time for you to consider this. God, what have you called me to do? Why am I here? What's your purpose for my life? The next scripture, Ephesians 4.11, it says, So Christ himself, now who, who himself? Christ himself, gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity of the faith in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure, the fullness of Christ. But how is he going to do that? He's going to do that through this appointment, through these individuals. They says, so Christ himself gave some to be apostles, evangelists, pastors, teachers, prophets. Where do you fit within these ministries, if you will? Now, I'm not telling you because there's more to break down relevant to that. But there's a possibility that the Lord might have called you to be an evangelist. Is there a fire burning up on the inside of you where you feel you have a mouthpiece that needs to speak out in order to bring an awakening to the body of Christ? To bring an awakening to the church? The Lord might have separated you to be an evangelist. You may have a calling in this particular area. It is important to be able to analyze and assess this 
possibility that the Lord is getting you ready and preparing you for this type of calling over your life? No need to walk in confusion. What we need to do is consider these and say, God, I need some clarification. I need to know exactly why you're calling me and what you've called me to do. Has the Lord someone somehow given you the ability to just break things down to the point that when you teach them to someone, they just, they just get it. Oh, wow, the way they talk, and wow, I really get it. Have a gift. Maybe the Lord has called you to be a teacher. The point is you being able to identify this. I have to move quickly. The next, this question, or these scriptures, had to do with the question where it says, where are we subjected to the will of God um, or his calling? So where are you? What has called God called you to do? I want you to think about that. The next question in the next scriptures, it says, how much time do we have subjected to the return, the return of Christ or our last breath? Can we go to these scriptures, number two? Here's what it says. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper! Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Be careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil or short. How much time do you have relevant to his return? How much time do you have relevant to your last breath? Are you making the most of every opportunity that God puts in front of you? Are you using your time wisely or are wasting time? Wake up, old sleeper. This is how he begins. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. He's calling you to do some research, some, analyze, some internal analysis. He wants you to watch, look inside yourself and ask yourself, what is my calling and what am I supposed to be doing? Because time is short. Amen. And if you don't want to believe in the second coming or the rapture, that's okay. You can, you can look at your age and start to say, you know what? What am I doing based on how much time I have left? Because, hey, you know how it is. Start hitting 80, 90. Not many hitting that 100 nowadays. Not that many. So you want to really think about your time here and what you're doing with your time. Who you're investing in? Are you mentoring? Are you being a role model? Are you guiding? Are you pouring out the years of wisdom that God has given you to allow and to assist some of these young people that are walking in negligence and foolishness and indoctrination coming from the schools? Amen. Romans 13, 11, it says, and do this understanding the present time. Listen, I just talked about what's happening in our nation. Do you understand the present time we're living in? They're challenging you, trying to confuse you, trying to tell you that you don't know if you're a male or a female. What kind of craziness is that? Where are we? You mean you can't see the different characteristics of a male or a female? <coughs> I did some research on that when I was at my early years at the University of Alaska, relevant to a paper. And as I was writing this paper, I was able to see how different individuals that struggle with homosexuality might have been overexposed to certain hormones, testosterone, or, for, or, uh, or, 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 or the opposite. Because you know what? We, do, we live in a fallen world. And because we live in a fallen world, even through the process of birth, you have people who have birth defects. 
You, saw, you see what we deal with mental retardation or, 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 or struggle psychological. We don't use that terminology nowadays. Mental retardation is almost like something offensive, but the bottom line is somebody who's struggling mentally and they cannot perform at the same level of everybody else. These are all deficiencies that come biologically as a result of a fallen world that we're in. And because we're in this fallen world, we're going to struggle. So there might be someone who actually does struggle because they've been overexposed to certain hormones. And you've got a male who's struggling with female tendencies. But what do we do when someone's struggling with alcohol? Or maybe they have some type of a handicap. We try to assist them. We don't try to say, oh, this is who you are. No. So I want us to consider this situation, these struggles. It says, and do this understanding the present, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. I don't know how long you've been in this church, but I'll tell you this. I'm glad you guys want to engage in outreach because it may be the time to wake up from our slumber. We might have been too comfortable for too long. Them chairs have your name on it for too long. It's time to get off the chairs and it's time for us to do something for the kingdom of God because time is short. And it's sad for me to think that we would just ignore the fact that there is such a thing as life after death. And there is such a thing as heaven or hell. Okay. If you're wrong, then guess what? You have nothing to lose. Because guess what? You'll still be in heaven. You're good. Hey, you know what? Lord, I believe you. But what happens to the person who resisted, who rebelled, and chose not to make this decision? And all of a sudden they find themselves eternally in hell. Suffering forever and ever. We don't think about that stuff. We don't even want to think about it. We're, we're scared. It says, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Time is ticking and it hasn't stopped. And is advancing every single day. Where are we? Subjected to the will of God. How much time do we have? What are we doing subjective to this calling in relationship to his return? Are you active? Are you doing what God has called you to do? I'm not trying to tell you to be religious and get into a religious um, treadmill. Oh, on the outside, it looks like I'm doing a lot. The Lord ain't worried about that. He's going to look at your heart. He's going to look at your inside. He's going to see the sincerity of your heart. And he's going to assess whether or not you're doing it for him or for everybody else. It won't matter. We're not here to be hypocrites. We're not here to be liars. We're not here to pretend. We're not here to try to make it look like we're spiritual. Or like we're, we're some kind of, we're, we're men and women. Listen, forget about all that. When God assesses us, he assesses us from the inside out. And you know that. So there's no sense in trying to act like this is who you are. Because he clearly sees that. And I think we need to be in a position where because we understand how God views us, we will not fall to the trap of performance for others. We can't be performing for nobody. You perform for yourself. You do it because you know God is calling over your life. You do it because you have a conviction in your heart that tells you, this is what God has called me to do, and I must be faithful to his calling. Amen. <coughs> Let's get that next scripture. Number three. This one's pretty long, so we'll do the best we can. Move quickly. Now listen to this. This question says, what are we doing subjective to our calling in relationship to his return? Here's what it says. 
But about the day or the hour, no one knows. My God, that scares me to death. It scares me to think. None of us know the day or the hour. We don't know if right here in the middle of the service the Lord could come back. We don't know if after the service. But we don't want to even assess these scriptures because we're afraid. It says, but about the day or the hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, before that time of Noah, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving into marriage. You know, nothing wrong with a lot of that stuff, marrying all that. You know, social um, 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 structures and, and, and traditions that we've put together. But sometimes we're so caught up in that that we abandon something that has a priority above that, which is understanding that you're in this world, but you're not of this world. Your time here is only for a season. Your time here is temporal, 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 temporary. It's all will be over soon. Amen. You only have so much time. Marriage up to the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came. And it took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field. One will be taken and the other one will be left behind. Two women will be grinding in a, in a hand mill. One will be taken and the other one left. Keep going on that. It says, therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day the Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have, and would have, not have left his house to be broken into. So you also must be ready. Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their, their food at the proper time? Who then is that faithful servant? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Who is the faithful servant here? When God returns, you should and we should identify our calling in our identity. We should know exactly what we're supposed to be doing to make sure we're being faithful to that. Not faithful simply to what this, this person tells you that. What is God telling you to do? Assess that. Amen. Because when he returns, it would be wise for you to be doing exactly what he called you to do when he returns. That's what that last verse said. Says at the proper time, it will be good so that that servant whose masters finds him doing so when he returns. Will he be able to say that he's finding you doing exactly what he's called you to do when he returns? Are you doing so? Are you doing what he's called you to do? If you, haven't, if you, if you tell me something to the effect, well, I really don't know, then, then, then that's why I'm talking to you tonight, Amen. this afternoon. That's why I'm sharing this with you. Because it's good for you to start to consider these things. It's good for you to start to assess these things. It is good for us to consider where we're supposed to be. We don't have to walk in confusion. We don't have to walk around sort of, well, we don't know. Well, we just show up for church. We just show up. We do a couple of songs. We hear the message and we're good. Are you serious? No. No. There's more to that than this. It goes beyond the social gathering. Even though this has a lot to do because you know what? When we come together, we edify one another. We worship the Lord. It's important. Amen. But beyond that, what is God calling you to do? Not what everybody else, but what is God calling you? That's my question. What has the Lord called you to do? 
will he be able to say when he comes that he caught you and he found you doing exactly what he called you to do? In Luke 9.57, I want you to consider the following. Uh, I want you to consider three different statements or requests regarding following Jesus. Let me go ahead and, and read those to you. Here's what it says. 57. It says, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have... Uh, uh, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to live. But he said, why am I reading that? Because this person that told Jesus to follow, that he wanted to follow him, if you read this same chapter, and you go back about 20 verses, you're going to realize that Jesus, they, the crowd was following Jesus, and they got hungry. And Jesus tells his disciples, have him sit down and feed them. His disciples looked at him and said, what are we going to feed them with? We only got two loaves or, or, or three fish or whatever, the opposite. Jesus said, don't worry about it. Start feeding them. He starts feeding them. Guess what? Everybody in that group is feeling good. It's like coming to church and all of a sudden the pastor says, hey, today we're going to bless you with an offering. You ain't got to give an offering. We're going to bless you with an offering. And we're going to take care of your bills. We're going to take care of your rent, your mortgage. Your car payment? We're going to pay off your car. Come back next week. People get excited. They're like, oh, I'm going to heart of worship. Praise God. There's money there. I'm good. I like heart of worship. That's exactly how this gentleman that approached Jesus says, I'll follow you wherever. Sure. You just got blessed with all that fish and all that bread. You ain't had to work for it. You got it. It was good. Supernaturally, the Lord supplied. I'm thinking the guy's going, oh, my God. This is really the Son of God. We got it. We hit the jackpot. Yeah, we hit a home run. We're following. We're following the man. We did it. What's the name of the guy then? Twitter? The owner of Twitter? Elon Musk. Mm. Elon Musk. They're thinking about Jesus. We found Elon Musk. We could. We got money. Yes. Jesus alive. That's exactly how we felt. He says, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. But then reality hits. Jesus tells him the truth. He says, you know what? Are you sure? You haven't really considered the cost. Because if you want to follow me, you've got to realize that the foxes have dens and the birds have nests. But I have no place to lay my head. Are you sure you want to follow me? Because it's going to be a rough ride. You know, this is exactly what we're up against in the church. I'm telling you right now, with what we're having in our nation, are you sure you want to be a Christian? Are you sure you want to follow Christ? Are you sure you're ready for this decision? Because the time is coming where confrontation and reality is going to hit. Are you sure? Because you may have to be right. You may have to start moving in a direction that you never thought you would have to. Consider even incarceration if we, if we got to that point. Are you sure you want to follow Christ? Jesus was kept it real with him. He didn't lie to him. He ain't trying to make him look good. He's like, no, nah, I gotta have so many followers. I gotta get so many likes. Uh-uh. I ain't got no place for you to lay your head. The fact that I miraculously provided some bread and some fish is so that I, I took care of you guys. 
Because I have compassion. Because I have love. But that's not the way it's going to be all the time. Sometimes it's going to get rough. It's going to be a rough road. Let me go on. It says, uh, he said to another man, now Jesus, now this man is necessary to tell Jesus he wanted to follow him, but Jesus maybe saw his enthusiasm. Maybe like you folks are here. Hey, we're going to start this food pantry. He wants to give up. Woo, praise God. I want, I, I'm in it. I want to be there. I want to do it. Mm-hmm. Jesus says, follow me. When he tells him to follow him, Jesus, he said, follow me. But Jesus replied, no, he says, he says, uh, but Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus told him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now listen, everybody in this room knows that what this guy asked Jesus to do is really reasonable. It's extremely rational. If you've got a funeral coming up, I'm sure almost everywhere they would just tell you, listen, no, 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 go ahead, take care, go through your mourning, go through your grieving process, go ahead and take care of your own. Go take care of your family. That's exactly the right thing. You would be a bad witness to do it otherwise. So what can you conclude from this response that Jesus gave him? He wanted him to assess priority. Are you willing that if it got to the point, if it was to the point that you would have to abandon, burying your... Those that you love, to follow me. Would you do it? Would you do it? Would you go this far? Would you take it a step forward? Would you be willing to go out on a limb? Or is this too much for you to handle? Is this above what you are capable of doing? Jesus wants us to consider sometimes prioritizing him. What's more important? What has greater priority? Oh, I can't be that, can't do that. Because of my job, or because of this, whatever, I don't want to go there because I realize we got to work. But I'm just trying to tell you, sometimes we haven't gotten to that point of willing to follow Christ at no cost. And we're going to follow him, but with some compromise. Let me go on. It says, still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family members. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Listen, I was sharing with my wife. I was watching a video relevant to plowing. I'm not a farmer. So I don't really understand it that much. If some folks here do great, maybe you can enlighten us. But I watched the video. And going back to some of the machinery we had back before then, you have one single blade that you're using so that you can dig a trench so you can plant the seeds. Or you're going to have an ox or you're going to have uh, uh, horses or whoever to pull it. But while they're pulling it, you need to keep, you need to keep that plow straight so it doesn't, the line's not all over the place and you're not wasting time, okay? Or, if you bend over too much, you might even ruin it or hurt it. So you can't just be on the plow and be like, look, no, you've got to steady on the plow. Steady on the plow. Watching the plow. Working the plow. Working it, realizing it's got to be steady because your harvest depends on it. Jesus says, you want to follow me? You can. But if you're going to follow me, 
You've got to be willing. If you put your hands to the plow, I'm going to trust you with that position. It's like getting a job and say, hey, we're going to make you the operations officer. But I want you to realize when you're handling it, I'm switching things over, not an operations officer, but maybe someone who's handling the machinery, and the machinery's moving along quickly, and you can't miss a beat on that machine. Because if you do, there's consequences in that assembly line. He says, if you put your hands to the plow and you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. This is my challenge to you this morning. How far are you willing to go for the kingdom? Are you willing to put your hands on that plow and say, God, I'm going to stick to this. I'm going to find, I'm going to find out what my calling is. I'm going to find out what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm going to look at things in relationship to your retirement. And I'm going to make sure I stick to the plow. I stick to the plow. I let that plow continue its work so that that harvest comes forth as you desire it. Church, I don't know about you, but my message for you this morning and I'm calling it an end right there. I could continue on. I have several other verses, but I'm going to stop right here. Listen, God is challenging you. He's telling you the truth. He's telling you some reality. He's exposing things in your life that maybe you were running from or maybe you, were, you, were, you didn't confront or maybe you were simply ignoring or maybe you took for granted. Maybe you thought it wasn't a big deal. But the Lord is saying, hey, what is your identity is a big deal. For you to know who you are is a big deal. For you to know what your calling is, is a big deal. For you to be able to assess the times and, and realize that he's coming soon is a big deal. For you to realize that when he returns, he wants to find you doing exactly what he calls you to do. It's a big deal. Amen. He who puts his hands to the plow, the Lord is saying, you know what? I want you to put your hand on the plow, but I don't want you to be distracted. I don't want you to look back. I want you to stay focused. I want you to realize the importance of the kingdom of God. I want you to realize the importance of serving me. Lives are at stake here. Souls are at stake. Eternity is at stake here. This matters more than anything in the world. Your education is even does not compare to the calling the Lord has placed over your life. We got our hands on the plow, church. And it's time for us to move forward. It's time for us to live this life more seriously, intentional. There's a philosopher, I forgot his name, but he engaged in the philosophy and the compo or the the well of intentionality. In other words, he says, be intentional with everything that you do. Be intentional. Be purposeful. Have your mind conscious of what you're doing and then run after it and do what God has called you to do. Thank you, Lord. Father God, I want to thank you this morning. You have a calling over our lives. Father, and in this calling, you have places and in individual places. Lord God, we realize that just like a farmer, Lord God, you've given a seed to plant. And you've only given us so much time to plant that seed. You've only given us so much time before you return. Lord, so this morning, 
you've opened up our eyes to understand the importance of us assessing the times that we're living in today. The evidence is clear. Even natural man has been defying God himself. Our government has defied God. Our schools have defied God. So we clearly see that, Lord God, based on the times that we're living, your time is near. Wake up, O oh sleeper. Father God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that as we understand, Lord God, these times that we would line ourselves up in the perfect will of God so that when you return, you will find us doing so. We have put our hands to the plow, and there is no turning back. No more turning. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. No more turning. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're in this church and you have found yourself in a position where you've been struggling because you don't realize exactly where you're supposed to be and you haven't taken the time to assess his coming and you realize, oh my God, I got to wake up. Something has to happen in my life. Then let me join you in prayer and I want you to come with me up here and let's pray together because we're about to, oh glory, hallelujah. We're about to fight some spiritual warfare and we need to come together to fight this together. We can't just do it on our own. We can't just keep going through the motions. This is just, isn't just church as usual. It's time. If you want to be serious, you want to be a part, then I want you to come forward and let's pray. Let's pray together. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the men and the women that are here, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, for the calling that you have placed over their lives. The reality, Lord God. The realness, Lord God, of what's happening here. Father, the fact that you're shaking up the four walls of this house, Lord God. Father, to remind us, Lord God, of where we're supposed to be and what's supposed to be happening, Lord. Father, we don't want information anymore. Father, we are in need of a shaking up spiritually, oh God. We are in need of a spiritual awakening. We need a revival in our lives. Father, so open up our hearts now, Lord God. Father, don't let us hold back. Don't let us stop, oh God. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, I thank you, Lord God, for this leader. I thank you, Lord God, for this man that you have already called. Father, Lord God, and he is heeding. He's answering the call saying, God, here I am. Lord God, you already know my heart. You already know where I am. You know where I'm going, Lord God. Father, I know where you've placed me, and I want to be faithful Father, you said he who began a good work is able to finish it. So I pray that you would finish what you have started in his life in the name of Jesus. For the glory of God. No holding back. No stepping. Oh, Father, let that anointing rest over him right now in the name of Jesus. Empower him, oh God, to move forward in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Church. I don't know if you're shy or what's the reason. But then I want you to do me a favor then. Go ahead and please let's stand up. And I want you to all, all of us to pray together. I want us to cry out before the Lord. This is a day to cry out to him. Say, Lord, we need you. If you got any music, go for it. Father God, this church, heart of worship belongs to you. It doesn't belong to any man. It belongs to you. You know the heart of every woman in this place. You know the heart of every man in this place, oh God. Father, Lord God, we are rising up and crying out to you. You said if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. 
Lord God, and acknowledge, Lord God, and seek my face and turn from them, then I will hear from heaven. Father, we are acknowledging that we need help, oh God. We are acknowledging, oh God, that we need change in our lives, oh Lord God. This church belongs to you. Don't let them stop. Don't let them hold back. Don't let them resist. Father, Lord God, allow them, Lord God, touch every heart. Touch every heart. Toca cada corazón ahora en el nombre de Jesús. Touch every heart right now in the name of Jesus. Touch every man, every woman, oh God. Begin to shake up the insides, oh God, in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for this young man. Father, I pray, Lord God, that you would use him for your glory. Allow him to understand the word that was spoken today. And that he would hear, he would heed that call. Use him for your glory. Bless him, oh God, as a leader. Lord God, as a man of God. We bless him right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for this young woman, oh God. Have your way, Father. Glorify yourself in her weaknesses. Show forth your strength and your power, oh God. Use her for your glory, oh God. Father, we thank you for this young man. Father, have your way. Father, you know his heart. You know every question in his mind. Answer those questions, oh God. And let him run. Do not let him stop, Lord God. Do not allow him, Lord God, to stop for a minute, Lord God. He doesn't have time for entertainment or wasting time. His time is precious. Use him for your glory. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Father, only you know his heart, Lord God. Only you know him, Lord Jesus. Father, Lord God, you know the intentions of his heart. Father, Lord God, what he's willing and what he's willing, Lord God, or, or what, what, what things, Lord God, he may even be afraid of. Father, whatever it may be, all I'm saying is, God, please have your way in his life. Father, use him for your glory. Have your way in his life. Touch him, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Allow him to assess his purpose in this life. Father, let him take advantage of time in this season for your glory. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. No slowing down, no stopping.